Hello, Podwalkers, and welcome back to another episode of the Goblin Lore Podcast. Uh, before we get started with today's episode, this is an episode we are is going to be coming out um, in the middle of September. And so kind of at our beginning of all of our episodes this month, we're just wanting to kind of take that moment to recognize that we are in the middle of uh, Suicide Awareness Month or Suicide Prevention Month. Um, September is kind of our other big main month that we oftentimes do a lot of mental health topics. Um, we haven't planned as much this year as we have in previous years around this, but we do want to just kind of acknowledge that. Uh, I also, it's just my opportunity to let people know that the main crisis line number in the U.S. has changed. It's actually now 988. It is very easy to get to. It's kind of that idea of not wanting people that are having a tough time and might need some some outreach to be able to easily remember it. And you can always press one to get to the veterans crisis line just like you could before. So welcome to September, and we just want to kind of keep that conversation going. We also want to give a shout out to the Grinding Coffee Company. So the Grinding Coffee Company is an LGBT and uh, Black-owned business that it produces coffee for gamers. And we are one of their only, I think, podcasts. Uh, they mainly pair with streamers, but they just they've really believed in kind of our mission, and we believe in what they do. They've been very willing to support kind of all the all the events that we do, the charity events, the streams, donating coffee for us to be able to give away. So we just really want to make sure that we always give them a thanks. And so today's episode is one that I am really, really excited about. Um, anybody who's listened to this show knows that I tend to rant a lot about a certain goblin, uh, a certain goblin and lore that that I love and felt had gotten the shaft for a very long time, which we'll be coming back to that because I, I, I have to make acknowledgments where I can make acknowledgments. And this is a goblin that we've done an episode on before, which is Squee. So Squee recently returned in a story, Death and Salvation, by Dan Sheehan, who is a magic writer, comedian, co-host of the Commander Sphere podcast. So we're going to be talking about Squee. We get to return to Squee. And Dan, is this... How many? How much have you written for Magic so far? That's that's out. This was uh, my debut story with Magic. Okay. so that was my understanding, and I just wanted to make sure I did not miss anything. So, uh, I guess I sh forgot to introduce myself because I'm pretty bad at that. In typical Goblin fashion, you're <laughs> already a couple of minutes in. If you're new to the cast, I am Hobbs Q. I can be found on Twitter at Hobbs Q, and my pronouns are he/him. So, Dan, we've heard your voice. Uh, I'm going to throw out a, a, a question to you if you're able to answer it. And if not, I have a backup one. And that is, uh, what character would you most like to write now that you've had a chance oh. to write Squee? Um, I mean, I had a real blast with Squee. Squee was kind of, for a first story, it was somewhat of a dream to get to tackle a character that has a such like roots within the lore that I grew up reading and be such like a devoted fan base still like people are still very excited about the character um yeah we talked about this before like mark rosewater when he was doing his head-to-head -head polls which I, I mean that he used to do kind of for a couple of years he had those going I mean, squee won like favorite goblin of all time i mean and this was when we even had other people like you know whether it's cranko or kiki jiki i mean just other goblins you I mean the one squee was the one who came out on top yeah, and so Squee was definitely on on the list of characters I would be most excited to write, especially coming from um, a lot of my background is in comedy. Um, and so as like a first foray into the fantasy world, getting to do it with kind of a comedic twist was fun. 
Um, but in terms of characters I'd really like to be able to write someday, I think uh, Karn's on my list. I'm sure Karn's on a lot of people's lists. Um, and then uh, my my niche hit probably would be Norin the Wary. Uh, oh my just, gosh. There's like no Norin more. Um, no. And I I had I have a story in mind, um, and I keep it to myself just in case they ever <laughs> come asking. Um, Man, see this this we're already we, you know we're you're you've already hit on one of my favorite. I like I, I always joke that I'm going to cosplay Norin because I, I don't cosplay, and <laughs> I'm really just going to run away whenever anybody approaches me. Yeah, just be like you didn't see it? No, that was my Norin the Warrior cosplay. I love Norin. Norin's great. Norin's a really fun character. Um, when I was a kid, I tried to collect as many Norins as I could to see if I could make the price go up um, <laughs> because they were dirt cheap when they first came out. And so I was yeah. just like, I was going to the store and being like, give me every Norin the wary you have. And they'd be like, all right, that'll be a dollar 75. I mean, at one point the foils were, were, were pricey due to a random, you know, the niche deck in um, modern, like a soul yeah. style deck. But I think it was like right when I came back to magic, um, Rachel weeks told me she was like, Norrin's like a like foil. Cause I was buying foil Norns at the time. See, and like not exclusively, but I had a lot of foil Norns and she was like, that is like a $8 card now, maybe 10. Um, and I, I was just like, Oh dang, I, I need to check <laughs> on that. And yeah, I had like a hundred bucks of Norin sitting in a box, which was that, so silly. One that's, of my favorite flavor texts of all times is the, the, the poking fun at back at magic's original lore with the, the Mexa mix up with the art with lemurs. Uh, so do you know kind of the story behind that? Oh there's, yeah. The Lemure versus lemur thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so there's a flavor text from Time Spiral where he's like, lemurs, finally something that's cute or something. And then, yeah, actually Lemure. So that's so funny. Ah, now I see. Okay. See, I'm not. Yeah. Okay. That's fine. We'll get the squee. Yeah. We took a little, little diversion there. Um, Yeah. Just a little one. So you mentioned your comedy background. So yeah. Do you want to tell people just kind of who you are, where they can find you? Sure. Yeah. Um, I would say like if there's anything I've done that people are most familiar with online, it's that I for years have run this Twitter account called Not a Wolf. Uh, it is about a wolf pretending to be a man. Uh, it is what my uh, eventual first book was based off of. Uh, the character is is exactly what it sounds like. It is a, a literal wolf from the woods uh, that wears a little shirt and tie to work and tries to pretend to be a person um, and is somehow succeeding, but also is not good at it at all. Um, and so that Twitter account has been around for a while, has a, a fairly sizable following. So you may have seen me from that. Um, I also work for The Onion as a contributor. I've been working for them for a handful of years now. Um, and then beyond that, yeah, my my book came out in 2021. Um, I have a show called We Still Like You uh, that I we haven't done in a bit because of, you know, the pandemic uh, brought a lot of live shows to a screeching halt. Um, but when it was running, the concept of the show was that performers would go on stage, tell a story of something something that they're ashamed of, and the audience would raise their glass, cheers, and say, we still like you. It was a very fun time. And you mentioned in Magic, you mentioned you mentioned kind of Command Sphere, so you... that Yeah, yeah. So I know you're... You co-host that with Rachel Weeks. Yeah, Rachel and and I actually met doing comedy years ago. We met doing the show called Mortified, which is about like finding things from your childhood and presenting them to an audience. It's very, very fun. Uh, And so the two of us met through that. And then Rachel actually hosted the Denver chapter of We Still Like You. So we've been friends for years. And when 
I, I had just moved out to LA and Rachel moved out slightly after that um, and got me back into magic to play commander. And then the two of us were talking about doing a podcast and that was where commander sphere came from. Um, and so we started that in like 2019. So we're, you know, we've been around for a bit. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's been really, really fun. It's just, the idea is basically magic through the lens of like very casual play and like, you know, kind of putting the experience and the goofs first, as opposed to like, you know, really granular mechanical content. You're not all about making sure nobody ever makes a misplay on camera. Yeah. You're not. Yeah. If I, <laughs> if I made a misplay on a stream, uh, yeah, of course I made a misplay on stream. That's because <laughs> I built an Atagatog deck. What do you, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I, the, the, the concept of somehow, that's my favorite, I think, YouTube type of comment would be, well, there was a misplay. Yeah. You are correct. There was. All yeah. my plays are misplays. <laughs> and some of them I even mean to misplay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, we asked you to come on to talk about Squee. So yeah. I want to let people know we had a previous episode. We do our goblin profiles. And um, I it has been, I was looking back when I sent it to, to Dan. It's been a while. But when we looked at Squee before, um, I just have kind of our, our brief rundown of what that episode was. It was, we felt that we needed to return to talking about Squee. And I said, did we know a lot about Squee? Well, we didn't. And when we looked into it, we were kind of saddened by the amount of Squee lore that could easily be found. Um, I will say that with your story out now, the Wikipedia, the MTGopedia like entry doubled the length of Squee's story. So we did not have kind of a lot of story. We knew that... You know, it, there was lore. We knew that Squee was involved. He, he was showing up on flavor text. He was whimsy. Uh, we knew more ancillary stuff about him, especially like that he couldn't be killed. And the fact that that was like a really just depressing, depressing story in some ways. You had this goblin that was made to be basically just tortured, um, uh, represented on the card Phyrexian Tyranny, um, just his dead body, which Wizards was so nice to reprint recently so that I could see that again. Um, but, but you know, there, there was kind of not a lot out there above about him. We knew that he was a Nabob, which was like a general. We know that he was a mortal. And our, our biggest thing was that we had returned to Dominaria last time before the most recent, where the story is set, we had returned to Dominaria. We had basically the getting back together of the band. Uh, well, the, the crew, we had a weather light, the original ship, we had crew that were, you know, descendants or original crew members. And in amongst that story, we got nothing new on Squee. Um, we got a card. And the card kind of moved him from kind of the Goblin Nabob with a similar mechanical feature, uh, except he now was called the Immortal. So we knew that he was immortal for sure. Um, but that was it. When when that card came out, we 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 got we got that was it. We got a card. We didn't get any new story whatsoever from Squee. And when we had gone to look in kind of some of the old books, finding actual passages that, that Squee is not just a side character is kind of difficult to do. Now, we had cards, so Squee's Toy, Squee's Embrace. There's a lot of flavor texts, and we, we go pretty deep into this when talking about goblins and whimsy. And Squee is definitely one of our favorites for kind of for for that 
Um, you know, there's just jokes about his cooking. There's jokes kind of about, um, actually, I mean, there's a, I, it's hilariously, he's on Goblin Bookie. Um, so we had kind of all this like references to him and we had to in, in, infer things, but for actual, just like a direct story, we didn't have a ton about Squee. And this has been something that I personally have ranted about for a very, very long time. I jo joke that this is not good precedent that Wizards finally gave us a new story um, because now I'm just thinking of which other goblins I haven't complained enough about. <laughs> but that all changed when your article or your, your story, Death and Salvation, came out. Um, like I said, it, it doubled the entry that somebody went in and put in. But I mean, the story itself was the first time that we had Squee front and center in kind of a side story, not really the main one, but it, it is truly a Squee story. So I'm yeah. curious, how did it come? Like, I mean, if you could just take us through just getting to do this. I know that you mentioned going to look for old lore when you were going to write, and I'd like to hear kind of some about the process. Yeah, um, so I was aware of the character um, because a lot of my, when I played growing up, it was like right on the heels of the first invasion. It was it, it was a couple of years after. This was during, I started, I think, it, it's hard to say because like a lot of the cards that I was getting, I wasn't buying when I started because I was like 10 or 11. Mm -hmm. um, and it so was I, whatever I, other people had that you could get. Yeah, we had a lot of 7th edition cards floating around. And the first sets I remember buying and enjoying were Onslaught Block. Um, and so there was still a lot of like, obviously the invasion block was over, but there was still a lot of, you know, that flying around. And then also it was very, very recent lore. And so when I started reading the magic books, um, I started with the onslaught block, then read the mirrored and Kamigawa blocks and was like tearing through basically anything I could find at the bookstore. Um, the invasion block was still readily available. That's the important part is so I was, uh, I, I owned all these old books, um, and it is, I will say, it is much easier to maintain a Wikipedia for a character, I, I assume, uh, in the age of web stories, because it was very hard to like track down exactly where Squee yes. shows up, yeah. what Squee does. Um, you know, you can't control F a book as much as we <laughs> as we would dream that we could. Um, and so I I was like flipping through these old copies trying to figure out where exactly the change happened. Uh so to answer the question more briefly, I guess the 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 book, uh, the books informed the first part of it, where I was basically just trying to see um, how Squee became immortal. Like, obviously, there's a summary, but I wanted to like kind of be in the scene and like see what that moment was like, um, and then also to get an idea for who Squee was before Squee was immortal, because a lot of Squee's story, I think, almost up up until now, like most of Squee's story was pre immortality. Um, it happens relatively late in the story, and so it was basically just trying to piece together an image of the character from a number of books that characterized him in a lot of different ways, flavor text, which also kind of had a bunch of different characterizations. Um, and then just like general, like fun facts that had been shared. Like there was a lot of Googling I did and finding of like old way back machine articles that were like, you know, published on magic.com back in like 99 or something like probably later than that, like Oh one or Oh two, but like, you know, stuff where it's like, meet the Weatherlight crew. This is Squee. Like, so I was able to find some of that. Um, but yeah, I remember so, finding those at one point too. And it was like a little like image and like two lines or something. I mean, I feel like it was still like, you were still getting to know him. Yeah. And what I later found out is that a lot of that has been absorbed into the wiki. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so the wiki reflects most of those old dead pages. So it's it's been good at kind of piecing together um, like the lore that is kind of being lost to time. Like the primary sources uh, are, are kind of falling apart as the internet advances past a certain type of website. Uh, so it's nice that these wikis exist to kind of uh, keep it alive. Um, so I did, yeah, I, it was, it was kind of a mixture of everything I had available, but it's, it's like you said, there really was there. I mean, there's never been a story that focused just on squee. There were a handful of chapters where squee was the focus. Um, but even then they were like very short, very comedic, um, focused more on like plot movement than on squee as a character so it was it felt like especially with there being no story for the 2018 dominaria it was a it was a very open you know playing field for squee because we had not heard anything from squee for 300 years in canon yes and and as you were saying um this was i think uh, reading back through those books an era of magic where goblins were i mean a legendary goblin and a goblin like squee was kind of a, even like an oddity to even have yeah. a goblin like that. So there was really no other goblins to even compare to. It's, you know, we're really starting to move towards like slow bad before we start bringing in more. We have like the named goblins, you know, things like Mons who didn't even get a card until more recently. You know, we've got goblins and flavor text, but having a goblin that there could be a story around, squee was it. And yeah, we just recorded with spice eight rack recently and you know it was saying that one of the hard things was what what motivates a goblin and i think that there's a reason squee was a side character there there was really no clear understanding of what to do with squee like yeah it was cool adam is part of the weatherlight crew but what is he there for yeah i i would agree that i think it's a consistent issue with comic relief characters where when the tone gets serious, the comic relief character is still there. Um, and so it can be a harsh tonal shift, I think, to go from like, this is a goofy guy who eats bugs and talks about kicking butts and stuff to being like, you know, like Yogmoth, Lord of, you know, the pit has, has risen and is like, you know, threatening the existence of the entire world. And it's like, but also my goofiest friend is here. Um, so it, I think he has always been a difficult character to get a threat on. And I don't think it's a coincidence that he was more of like a background player just because like kind of falling into that classic fool archetype for stories, you know, they, they usually do kind of exist in the background. Um, there was, I even kind of put like a light shout out to that in the intro where I talk about like old dwarven comedies marking the end of a second act with a goblin dying. Yep. Um, just because usually that is kind of the fate of comic relief characters, especially in horror and action stories where it's usually they sacrifice themselves for someone or they act like a fool and get killed and the audience laughs because uh, they were irresponsible and it was their fault. Um, and, you know, it's like that's kind of the old archetype. And so Squee sort of defied all that just by virtue of surviving um, and also being fairly capable uh, despite all odds. Yeah, and I, there's some of my favorite flavor texts when they tried to to get some of it in there. Like, uh, Zap is one of my favorite. So, uh, it's it's basically the weatherlight pulling up alongside, and I don't remember which other ship it is, but uh, it says, "All this time I thought Squee was useless." Chuckled to say, "Who knew he'd be such a good shot?" Right? Like there was some nods to yeah. that. You know, Phyrexian tyranny gives us 
like I said, he's Jagos reward. I shall kill him a hundred times a day. You, you know, you're trying to give him something. It, it's death. <laughs> um, yeah. But this was, we're now in an era where I think Wizards is trying to give characters more richness and depth. Um, and, and I think goblins in particular, there has been some better representation. So I have to give some thanks to them because this is something we did talk about with Gavin Verhey way back when he was on the show was, you know, and he was well under NDAs at the time and had to listen to me rant much as Jay Anelli has had to um, about, you know, like, when are we getting this? When are we getting this? And then we, we, we've gotten it. Um, how was it for you to approach knowing that you, you said your comedy background was kind of one of the reasons why you got this first foray into magic writing to then take this, this story and, and shape something around a comedic relief character in a non-comedic situation. Yeah. Um, I, I found it to be a, a cool challenge where I think like a lot of times with comedy in particular, we have a difficult time letting it be more than one thing. I think it's like an, like when, when people think of comedies, they think I should only be laughing. Like I should only like, you know, this should just be joke, 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 joke. And in a lot of ways, you know, like that can be true. But comedy is also capable of a lot more things. It's capable of, you know, relieving tension after like a very intense scene. It's capable of, you know, dramatically highlighting the hypocrisy of a character. Like comedy has so much utility in storytelling that I think gets left on the table when we just think like, oh, and then he falls down and then he gets, you know, hit by a car and then he gets up and then he, you know, spills soup all over himself, <laughs> you know, whatever the series of jokes is. Um and so my approach was basically that I wanted to do the character right first and foremost. And I mean, that's how I write everything. Um, like most of the work of mine that's made it out and about has been comedically focused, uh, but I don't necessarily consider myself exclusively a comedy writer. I, I, I think I, I do, you know, a lot of work to try and weave, you know, a lot of different tones and, you know, even genres into what I do. Um, I I don't have a lot of other fantasy work out there, mostly because uh, there's not a lot of other places that uh, pay and distribute fantasy. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> I hang on to it for myself because the internet has this cruel thing where it's like, if you put something out on a personal site, you can probably never sell that to anyone ever again because they, everyone wants something that's never seen the light of day before. Um, which is a thing I learned like starting my career by doing a lot of writing on the internet. It was, I used the medium that was available to me when I got out of college and it was social media. It was free and I'm, bunch of people could see you if you were really good at what you were doing um and i learned very quickly that then people see what you do online they look at that and they say well what else do you have and i was like i don't have anything else i put everything that i write on the internet just um, saw it <laughs> so I've, I've learned to start keeping a lot of my favorite things close to the vest which is very difficult but i'm getting better at it Ooh. um that's why you so, threw that little teaser out about nor and the wary exactly. i got it it's like i have it it's it's here if anyone ever wants it yeah. um we're but, planting yeah, these seeds now on this show. Exactly. If they ever bring back <laughs> Norrin as the new big bad or something, <laughs> just don't complete Norrin, please. That's all I ask. Um, <laughs> uh, but I, I do feel like uh, my first approach was basically to look at Squee, figure out kind of who I, I thought Squee was, who I thought 300 years of immortality would turn Squee into, figure out where the character was at, um, take the story notes that wizards had given me. Um, cause obviously like 
there's a there's a greater uh, story afoot. I couldn't have just been like, and then Squee blows up all the Phyrexians because uh, that would I <laughs> I would have ended the set uh, uh, before Dominaria <laughs> United even you know came to a close. So there are <laughs> limits to what you can write. But other than that, Wizards is like very very open um, with their writers. They let their writers have a lot of freedom. They kind of uh, you know without risking getting into any sort of like NDA territory here. Um, I felt like I, I had a tremendous amount of freedom as a writer um, to to do what I wanted with the character. Um, and the team was incredibly supportive. Uh, you mentioned Jay Anelli, who was like indispensable for making sure that I wasn't creating any sort of like, uh, you know, large plot holes or contradictions in the story. Like they do, like the whole team cares so much about the continuity of this story and like these characters and the future of this story. Uh, so it felt like, even if I, you know, don't have an encyclopedic knowledge of every single story that's ever been published ever, um, the combined years of magic knowledge uh, just in, you know, one or two of those email threads would uh, would make your head spin. It's the they really they know what they're doing, uh, and so it felt like, uh, you know, they were able to kind of help me take what I imagined for the character, place it within the world as they wanted it to be for the set, and then I was able to just kind of run with the story from there. You took us on an emotional journey. I, mean, I think you mentioned that th- there's comedic elements to this. We did not end up with a comedy by any stretch of the imagination. I, I, I personally was on quite the roller coaster ride trying to read this, um, mainly trying to catch up because I, I will admit I hadn't read the other stories, and I knew this was when I got alerted to the that the story was out. I knew that it was a side story, but I wanted to have read kind of up till then. I had been waiting in part because of my 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 belief that I was really afraid of that we were going to get nothing or that we were going to mm. get a card and and move on and so I had held back and and then it literally was like me trying to stay away before somebody could spoil like this story that it, I have been waiting for in a lot of ways um yeah and I was still not prepared uh so you know like <laughs> you mentioned the joke about completing you know uh, nor in the wary and then you decided to go and take me on that that journey with squee um which i thank yeah. you for <laughs> i um so i you know i knew the set as it as it was i knew that you know I, i'm lucky enough to i'm in a golden period right now where i everything that i had as like privileged information is now out there in the world um so i cannot accidentally spoil anything um but I was I was aware that Dominaria United was going to be a set that had obviously Phyrexian influence, and you know was able to figure out that there was going to be, you know, a lot of potential characters that people love getting put in varying degrees of peril. And so I thought it would be, you know, I thought it would be a chance for a real genuine fake out. These days, it's so hard to pull one off because everyone has like, we've all seen so many movies, we've all read so many stories, we all have like the same cultural input that I think we're really good at like spotting the rhythm of like, okay, well actually it seems like they're going to die, but I know contextually that there's an, you know, one more episode left. So they have to be, you know, uh, alive somehow. Uh, so I figured it was, it was a decent chance to actually make people think that squee had been completed. And I also thought it was a chance to, uh, give a little rhyme and reason to squeeze immortality. Uh, and then also a chance to just see what that would look like. What would a completed squee, uh, be like? Um, I mean, getting to reface Airtie was kind of a a g- great emotional moment. Like you know, um, 
you you managed to give us a an amazing new character uh, in Bulp that we were, you know, you we we kind of like see it as Squeeze Ward. We see it as kind of this, okay, we, we got somebody that's going to be, you know, this just another cute little goblin and then make us think that, you know, Bulp is dead. So you you you, you took me on, on a journey. Um, you know, to, having Airtie kind of come out of that uh, to, to basically face off against Squee, because we, the, the, one of the things that we talked about in our previous episode was we really think that Squee's main power is being underestimated, um, is just really this idea that that what the expectations are for Squee are low. Um, and then they get unmet or he, you know, he, he ends up being the one with the salvation sphere that we know is part of the, you know, at that point, we didn't really fully know what it was. So I, I, if you're able to talk a little bit more about that piece, I do want to come back to it, but we know, you know, we knew that it was going, we knew that it was an important tool and he had managed to hold onto it. We knew that, you know, the idea that he's the one who was responsible for then killing Urtai, you know, and getting his revenge is just, it's, it's a lot of him being underestimated and yeah. he uses that to his advantage, even to become the King. Like he can't be killed. So his strategy is to just die until the other person basically gives up. Yeah. I, I would agree with you that I think, I don't know, so many people get hung up on the immortality of Squee, but so much of the character's best moments were before his immortality. And that was ultimately why, I uh, made the choice that I made where I, you know, I, I felt as though Squee was the headline was always Squee the Immortal. But, you know, this is a character who helped shoot down the Predator like pre immortality. This is not mm-hmm. a character who, you know, was useless and then became immortal. Uh, this is a character who was tremendously useful and then became immortal. And then, you know, the, the story ended. And then the character was left with 300 years to kind of figure out what that meant for him. And so I think like a lot of the, you know, choices I made there were based off of trying to highlight that Squee is capable. And it was almost kind of a love letter to comic relief characters trying to show that they have the, you know, this depth, they have this, you know, these many facets to them that they're not just there for a laugh, that they actually do provide something because, you know, comedy can be moving. Comedy can be, affecting and i think uh it was it, i'm glad it came together as well as it did and i'm glad it resonated with the fans in the way that it has um because i'm I'm very very proud of the fact that it was uh that we managed to give the guy uh some dignity because it felt like a lot of the story denied squee some very basic dignity um yes because of his role as a comic relief character where it was uh, he was always farting or you know cooking terrible food or like getting um, his tongue stuck on a frog. Exactly. Or frog, yeah, I mean, like, yeah. Or being loud and, like, you know, when everyone was supposed to be quiet. Like, he, he sort of played the role of, like, a troublesome child, um, which, you know, like, he kind of was supposed to be. But this is 300 years later. If I, I know there are a couple, like, things I've seen of people kind of wanting the character to have more or less be left in amber. Um, but that's it's just not how storytelling works. Like, a character left for 300 years to live an immortal life uh, would have changed. Uh, think of how different, you know, anyone in their thirties is from anyone in their teens and then multiply that by a very high number. A, a group that has a low life expectancy too, right? Like mm-hmm. 300 years is, is not just even a, you know, for us going from our teens to our sixties, you know, yeah. this is 300 years of, of a goblin. 
we knew that, I think you said, I, I, that's why I think it did come back to Alex and I really feel, well, Alex is not red. So people that, that are listening to the show kind of are aware of this, but I have kind of talked to him a little bit, just filled in where I could, where he felt comfortable. Um, but he is really the one who's really gone with this, the underestimated part. And I think that it is part of what you're revealing is like, Squee always had this. Um, and now he's had 300 years to kind of move on and move, like figure these things out. And yeah, this to me was where I thought in Dominaria the first time in 2018, that's where I thought it was a miss uh, was, was leaving a character out there who was immortal. I think the whole concept of immortality in, especially in not in a planeswalker within magic, you know, we have slow aging people with Joyra. We've seen it with, you know, like with that, you know, we have even people like Joda, but a goblin who is immortal is different, right? Like they can be, they can be killed theoretically. And, you know, obviously in storytelling, something can always be killed or we could always find a way to kill the immortal, but he's different than Joyra. You know, there's, there's a different set of stakes and you have somebody who's now been alone for 300 years. It seemed to me, you know, you're, you're returning to find out all these questions about what's going on in Dominaria and you don't have any, it was such an area to explore to me. Yeah. I I wanted to, dig a little deeper there i wanted to you know i i it had been so long like it's such an incomprehensible amount of time um and so obviously you know the character being a king was is like reflected on his card and stuff um and so some of the fun parts are figuring out you know what to do with that change what to do with the fact that you know squee is like so different now and thank you wizards for letting him be noble yeah, since since Goblin King is still not a noble, um, but you know it that idea that you know that, like this is goblins have never had a leader like this because nobody's had a leader like this. Yeah, he is he is one of a kind. Uh, I, I I do believe that, and I think like with or without his immortality, Squee is a truly unique goblin among goblins, and I think. I wanted to explore what it would be like to spend 300 years without what, by my estimation, would be one of the driving forces of his culture, which is these brushes with death. Like goblins are every depiction we've ever seen of goblins. They are almost dying or actively dying, but having the time of their lives. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so what happens when you can't take part in that? It's like, is it as fun if you if there's no risk? My, my guess was no. Um, my guess was but- that... I really appreciate the way you found to make that funny, though, in the sense of, uh, you know, like he would just like let himself die just to make things more convenient for him. Right. Like, yeah, I'll just step out of this window to t- so I don't have to take the stairs. Exactly. It was I wanted to show that it was like it had weaved its way into his everyday life where he's just like, oh, the stairs take so long and everybody laughs when I explode. Uh, so I'm going to, you know, hop off this balcony here real quick. Um, you know, he he was like he had this tool that nobody else had access to. And so he found ways to use it in the most goblin way that he could, um, you know, cause I guarantee you and you know, an immortal dwarf probably would not jump off a balcony to get down some stairs, but for a goblin, it's like, Oh, it saves me time. I can go do whatever goblin thing I was trying to do. Right. As I'm going through kind of story wise, I have to thank you for one of my favorite lines um, in this, which <laughs> was a gl- good, clever nod, which is, which was um, when, when, 
you know, they, they've dis- discovered that the Phyrexians are among them. And, you know, uh, Bulp was talking to Squee. And he's like, yes, the king fought off an army of monsters. King sent them back from where they came. And it says, Squee had taken some liberties with the tale as payback for his omission from most Dominarian legends. Uh, thank you. <laughs> like you're welcome. I figured he would be I figured Squee would not be happy about that. You know, it's uh there's a lot of statues of Gerard built places, but there's not a lot of statues of Squee. Um and so I I I felt like he probably would have started telling people because who else was around? There's not a lot of primary sources left from that era. So Squee Squee can tell it however he wants to. Especially among the people that he's hanging out with. Um yeah. but it, it also was a nice uh, you know, like I I am sure <laughs> This is me being myself and being the reader, thinking of a, a subtle fourth wall almost breaking, um, given how much you're getting to expand on this character here, right? Uh, so to me, I really did appreciate some of those lines. I want to take us to kind of going to jump ahead to, you know, we know Squee gets completed. Um, however, Squee being Squee, basically completion would probably like <laughs> kill him. He, it doesn't kill him, but a boulder falls on him, right? Like right after yeah. being completed. And, and and that is very typical goblin faction. Like I'm guessing the Phyrexian had not completed a ton of goblins over the years. It was it seemed like they were new to it, I would guess. We get to see what happens. Well you'd already taken us on kind of a little bit about when Squee dies, kind of this 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 realm that he goes to. But now we have it changed. Um Basically, death had never felt like this before. Uh, he didn't really know what what's going on, and, and it, it's finally like Squeeze Toy decides to talk to him. I am curious, and I guess this is more of a if you can mention it or not. Did you have an endpoint that you had to end up with Squee? Um, I feel safe saying that wizards more or less let me pick the endpoint. Um, okay, so you could have chosen to end with a completed Squee theoretically. Yeah, they were okay. they were very very flexible about that. Um I mean, obviously like there were other stories being written by other writers um mm-hmm. and so I couldn't there were certain things I couldn't do. Like I said, like I couldn't have Squee be like um and by the way, I I made it so that they can't, you know, <laughs> you know, do whatever they're doing anymore. He um, couldn't so kill Urtai again right there. Exactly. Right? That would that's the big one was you know with Urtai being a big presence in the rest of the set it was important to respect the other author's stories as well um and like let the larger story play out alongside these side stories. Um and so that was like one of the bigger things but for the most part the en- ending was like completely uh something I was able to decide. Okay. Because this is where to me the story really took the the turn that that endeared me to the character that I've almost the character I'd already like built up in my head um, in the sense of, I wanted to see what happened with the concept of squeeze immortality, but also we, I mentioned a little bit earlier, goblins and motivation. And, and this is a big one here because this is goblins and choice. And generally we think of choice being heads or tails with goblins. Um, I mean, that's, we, we get so many of our great coin flippers uh, from Clark to Squee on Goblin Bookie to Squeeze Revenge. You know, it is this concept of chaotic choice. Mm-hmm. But this is not. This is Squee with intentionality and Squee with an actual real decision to make. Yeah. And, well, he's presented with a decision basically 
to die forever or to go back to keep being immortal. Yes. Um, so that's like the original decision that that's laid out for him by salvation is, yeah, that either he can go through one door, um, return to his body and, you know, to the loop of immortality that he's been in, um, as he was, or he can go through another door and, you know, go into the magic equivalent of the afterlife essentially. Um, and finally end his, his very, very long life. Um, and so, yeah, his choice is instead to ask for, uh, a third option, which is to return to life, but only one more time, uh, to have just one life, but to be able to go as long as he can. Um, and so that is the the choice that he makes. I really appreciated us getting to, I mean, you, we got so much in this, like we get squee, we get squeeze toy and actually see it as the salvation stone. Um, so we actually get to see it in kind of what it is, uh, because there's always been a lot of speculation about what squeeze toy really did. Um, unless I am misremembering that we didn't already know, but I had always Um, been under the impression that we had ideas, but we didn't know what it was. I did my reading on it and it it is also very, very lore light where it was part of the legacy weapon. So we know that it's like a very, very powerful artifact, but beyond that, very, very little out there. That's what we, we actually have a whole episode on uh, basically uh, the legacy weapon that's called Urza's rummage sale. And it's just all the stuff that he had laying around um, and just like made a Rube Goldberg machine out of. So that's good because I'd always wondered, right? Like, so so you kind of got to shape a little bit more about this powerful artifact. Yeah. Um, Why salvation? So my feeling was when you're in a position like this where you get to write a story about a character who hasn't had as much, you know, ink dedicated to filling in their background. Um, what matters most to me as a writer is, is filling out these worlds and making them feel lived in and making them feel important. Like even the littlest things, like it's some of the best parts of any fantasy property are when you just see like little tiny details that let you know that this whole world is interconnected and there's so much more going on than you think there is. And so a big, big part of that choice for me was that there was no lore about this thing. There was no established story. And for years we wanted to know. Um, and so why not give it something? Why not make it more than just, cause we knew it was important. We knew it was powerful. Um, and so I thought, why not, why not now, you know, <laughs> why not, why not jump in there and try to make something more of it? And so I, uh, I got, you know, permission from the team. I, you know, s- told them my plan. And, uh, that was, uh, I was very excited. I, I, I almost hesitate to talk too much more about it because when it comes to the story, I, I know where squee would go from here. If it were to go from like, if the next squee story were to be relatively chronological, you mm-hmm. know, within the next handful of months or years. Yeah. Um, and so I don't want to like, but also they could easily choose to, you know, hand it off to another great writer who wants to take it in their own direction. So I don't want to like step on any toes, create expectation, or also uh, potentially if I do get to write the character again, you know, spoil anything that I would potentially want to use later. But, uh, but yeah, so you got there this is... in your, you, you, wizards, what we're hearing is he's got another story in his back pocket, right? <laughs> like this is just like Norrin. Don't worry about it. He's, he's got it handled if you need it. Um, 
I, I basically just have like a big file box next to me. Um, this is literal. I literally just have a big file box. And whenever I have an idea for a story, I just work on it as much as I feel like working on it, put it away in the file box. And then, you know, I just sort of have it forever. Uh, I know a lot of people do that digitally, but I, I have to do it manually or else I will lose everything. Um, so, yeah, I hang on. I hang on to all the loose ideas. <laughs> You literally are a goblin. We're okay. We've pretty much. You you are one of us. Okay. A couple more things I just was curious about in terms of the process that that went into this for you. Your own thinking, as much as you are able to speculate or talk about. Did you get to see anything of the card or the mechanics for where they were going with the card prior? Uh, No. Okay. So with the card, so I, I will say, you know, the card I think depicts, in my opinion, Squee prior to this choice. Um, at least from if I am looking at a lore building, given mechanically where what it kind of does, you know, it it's Squee escaping. Um, he's able to keep coming back. He's bringing along basically Bulp with him. It's just another one one, but he's playing this role of the Goblin King. Um, he is he's just mono red still. As I was reading the story, and we had not seen the card yet, I was having thoughts of, does Squee pick up a color? So I did put mm. out a poll about this, right? Like, um, I did do it after kind of the, the card had been spoiled, but I wanted to know from people, let's say that if we took the story and we are looking at Squee and, and saying that Squee picked up either a, sec- a secondary color. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the, the voting basically played out kind of how I thought it would, which was 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 white black leading green kind of there blue off in the distance which was kind of hilarious given that we had seen squeeze revenge and his revenge took the form of a blue card but a lot of the justification that people gave a green was an interesting one and because we have seen now kind of the the red green goblins so getting to actually see monza's um descendants they are red green they have a landfall ability even and people took this idea that you know the that he is basically turning, coming back to the natural order of things. Mm-hmm. And so kind of taking that, that is a green thing. Um, I had it initially in white or black, and I'm curious if you've had thoughts about this, if this is something that you can even speculate on. Yeah. I mean, obviously I get no hand in the card design. Um, I, I can't really speak to how they do the process on a larger scale, but my assumption for the reasons behind a lot of the confidentiality for this one was that a lot of really big stuff happened in Dominaria United. Yeah. Uh, And so they were trying to make sure that authors, you know, didn't anytime you send out something that's, I've worked with a lot of like NDA properties over the years. And anytime you send out something that's super, super sensitive, you just always run the risk that somebody's gonna, you know, leave something sensitive in the wrong place or, you know, post a screenshot, not knowing that something's in the background. It's all, there's so many liabilities. So I, I, to me, it felt like just trying to keep things as a whole under wraps. Uh, but if I had to, if Squee were to pick up another color throughout the course of the story, I would also probably be team green. Okay. Um, my feeling is that, the choice the character is making, I've seen like, you know, some, I, I largely try to jump out of the conversations online, mostly because I feel like people should be able to feel free to say like, this didn't work for me without having the author jump in and be like, well, actually I wrote it. So don't <laughs> say negative things about my writing. It's like when you write stuff, you give it to people to share their opinions about. And so I don't want them to feel like anyone's like breathing down their neck to like it. Um, 
but my my feeling is that um that white would be I still don't see Squee as someone who cares particularly about the rule of law. Um, even in his time as a noble, I don't think his his warren was particularly defined by its like uh, its sense of uh, like rigid law. And like, you know, like I I think it was more a little more free spirited, probably. Um, and I I patently disagree with Black because I don't see Squee as a manipulative or selfish character in any way. Um, I feel like green would fit the most similar to those kind of ideas that this is kind of a return to the natural order or just with that seems like a more normal place for goblins to end up in a, in a secondary color. I think this is more of a return to the natural order for him. I think he even, you know, no matter what he chooses to do from the moment the story ends, um, which interestingly, like based, it's kind of funny how like the story immediately picks up because like there's flavor text now. And so like, it's sort of implied that Squee goes on and like does help, uh, command the goblin troops in, in the war. Uh, there, there are a couple flavor texts that, that imply that, um, mm-hmm. which yep. I think rules. It's kind of fun to like finish a story and then immediately have updates on this character, uh, <laughs> to be like, Oh cool. He's done this. It's, it's like weird. It's like, it's almost like he's alive. It's like, Oh, what's he been up to? Um, <laughs> <laughs> the time since I've left him. I got to check in with my goblin more. Um, but it's, uh, I, uh, I think the reasoning for green for me is that, um, a, a big part of green isn't just the literalization of nature, but also like the natural order and like one's own place within it. And I think this is squee embracing that he was incredibly capable when he was just a goblin. He was incredibly confident when he was just a goblin, and that this magic that has defined centuries of his life so far doesn't necessarily have to, or it's not tied to what makes him him. So like my, my true thought is that Squee remains mono red, but if I had to add a color, I would say green. Okay. I was almost like anticipating initially, I think an activation or something of of, Mm. of an ability that was going to pick up a second color as I was anticipating or waiting to see what would happen outside of my normal uh, fan fiction that squeeze sparks and ends up in the meditation realm with Bolas. (laughs) And that's how Bolas finally gets out of there Uh, outside of that wild, wild world that is depicted as Calvin and Hobbes in my daughter's room. Um, outside of that, in the real kind of world, I was kind of thinking, see, I actually picked, I, I was one of the people who had it as white. Mm. Um, and to me, this speaks to squeeze loyalty, uh, to his clan, but also not just specifically goblins and goblin kind and the Warrens, but to his crew. Um, he's yeah. a very, like a very, in some ways, selfless member of that crew. He, he he very much was on the weatherlight beforehand. I would have seen if he had returned to the weatherlight or even in the war. He he had that quality of community about him that expanded in a way that we can get from some of the white. And it really is probably that more white that's, you know, the overlap that we might see in color pie pieces. Less to do with the rule of law where we're almost swinging to the the far side of white, but the, the fringe of white, the, mm. the just more to do with that. And I think that that's where... To me, his his decision and w- w- him making that decision and actually proposing a, a, an alternative to that fit more into a white realm. I mean, or if you blue, want, but... 
I yeah. could honestly see Squee and Naya colors. Like if we're if we're talking evolution through time, I feel like I I could see. We've talked about this a little bit because on the podcast we do these episodes where we go through each color identity and we talk about um, like what they mean and like how they would apply to the real world. And so I oftentimes conflate Boros with Bor, you know, the actual Boros Legion, um, which has like a very militaristic vibe. And then Lorehold mm-hmm. has this very like incisive, thoughtful, mm-hmm. um, historical vibe that doesn't really feel like it matches Squee either. It feels slightly more thoughtful than Squee is, where it's like Squee is very kind, Squee is very caring and very loyal, but Squee is not particularly thoughtful, mostly in the fact that Squee is all impulse. Um, and I will say, and now I'm arguing, I guess, with the person who just wrote this, but <laughs> feel um, free. his decision was not. Yeah, no, it was very well thought out. I think it was a rare moment of a well thought out decision. Okay. I would not necessarily okay. expect Squee from here on out to be like a more measured thinker. I think like Squee trusts his own instincts. Um, Cause I was going back to the, the idea of um, the immortality piece that we talked about, right. And doing things for the sake of, of, you know, it being easier on him is I wonder what impulsivity looks like if there aren't consequences of impulsivity. um, Yeah. Over this long period of time. And I guess that's, it is, that is where that that realm of where I'm interested in. Um, so yeah, sorry. I- no, I mean I, I I welcome. I mean I once you finish the story, it's it's back. It, Squee belongs <laughs> to wizards. I, I don't own Squee. Uh, they could they could tomorrow come out with a Rakdos Squee, and you know I I could have I'd have no say in the matter. They could do is it Squee. Um, I am always happy to t- especially with color identity stuff. I five color Squee, which is five color well, Squee. That's always my cheap answer is you just know, glowing eyes. Yeah. He becomes the first sliver except for goblins. Yeah. Oh my yeah. God. Just giving goblins sliver abilities. <laughs> okay. I, I really appreciate kind of your, that thought of more towards the Naya. I guess I interrupted you a little bit just because I was, I wanted to question at least the one thing with impulsivity Yeah, and um, not being able to inhibit my own we, uh, impulses. We just did an episode about Naya. So maybe that's why it's fresh in my head. But Naya is very community driven and it's very natural. Um, and so I feel like a character that's been alive for, you know, 300, 400 years um, probably has some complexity to them and to maybe justify uh, being a three color commander at this point. Um, you know, I could definitely see Squee in Naya with that, that green adherence to instinct, that red chaos and that white respect for community um i i I could definitely see those three interacting really well for the character because we've also talked about how a lot of three color legends are kind of two color legends with a splash Um, yeah so i could almost see that being like squeeze very gruel but with a splash of white because yes he has you know kind of squeeze served in the military in several wars at this point so (laughs) you know maybe i'm i'm fighting boros here but squee is squee has done several tours of duty uh so rising through the ranks yeah he's right up there with that uh that 10th district legionnaire the one goblin that i don't think has ever gotten its own card um no well or its own legend Um, its own legend yet that's we we that little guy has come up on the show um in the past uh the evolution of him or her actually we like 
don't actually know. From I bet you text. that goblin's gonna get there. I bet you they're they've got a legend yeah, coming. We'll we'll probably go back to Ravnica at some point. Um, so you know, I always expect that. So, but maybe no, this, I, I, this <laughs> big mark. Maybe they're, they're the linchpin of March of the Machine. That's um, <laughs> the the Boros goblins. Yeah. Uh, well. You know, I I really want to thank you for coming on. Um, and wizards, well, of course. If, if if anybody here is listening, thank you, uh, Jay. I have to give you a special thank you when you came on the show, and other times having to listen to my rants about not having Squee. And you know, I I I always say that I'm then going to cor- cor- correct when I see that you know stuff has been done well, and I really appreciate that. Not only the story was done, but the thoughtfulness that 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 and care that was given to a character that, as you said, I, I kind of wrote in here expectations of writing a beloved character. Like there's a lot on you to present into magic with squee. Yeah, I think, and that's part of why I was so honored to be given the character to work with and like honored just to work with magic as a whole is because it is, it's a living story that's been going for 30 years at this point. It, and it, it was very important to me when I was growing up and remains important to me. And now to be able to be part of it is so cool. And I think that, you know, to me, the most important thing was maintaining the integrity of these stories and of, you know, to expand and add my own, you know, unique ideas to it, but not in a way that ever, tried to take away from what it is which is this very unique cool thing that i am uh thrilled to have been able to contribute to and like i said from, from our perspective on this show and how we really view goblins and the lenses that we we see them through you know it was kind of nice to see other people kind of i think pick up on some of the stuff that we had been feeling just kind of gut wise about squee i mean just as you kind of you, you said just there's more to him than just the immortality but like exploring immortality is also something that's really cool to do in magic in a different way. So you being able to wrap that all into a short story and still give me some whimsy. I just, from a reader want to say, thank you. Thank you. It's I'm, I'm so glad people liked it. It, I, the day before it came out, I was like on the edge of my seat. I was just like, all right, everybody could hate this. You made, you, you changed the nature of, of, of the core of squee as a character. Like what is, how are people going to react to that? But it was, it's been so positive. And I think, uh, it's just a testament to how much fans like the character. And I'm glad that we all like the, you know, direction that, that he went in. Yeah. And wherever he goes from here. Yeah. So I'm very excited, you know, be it from me or somebody else. I'm excited to see what they do uh, with the character next. Awesome. Well, Dan, once again, if you want to tell people where they can find you, get they, where they can throw money at you, yeah, um, sure. all of these things are very important to us. I, uh, You can find me, uh, if you're looking for more magic stuff for me, me and Rachel Weeks uh, have a great weekly podcast called Commander Sphere. comes out on Mondays. We're on YouTube, Twitter, all that. Our handle is Command Sphere because there's not enough characters for commander sphere um but yeah we're out there every monday um in terms of my writing um you can find i do a weekly newsletter called Brainworms. it's just about um life online but it's mostly kind of just evolved into a series of pretty writing about whatever's on my mind that week that's just the way it shakes out you know when you write something for long enough uh, so that's out there. If you're looking to throw me some money, it's five dollars uh, a month. You can get that. I've got a you know Patreon and stuff too for uh, Commander Sphere. Uh, you can also find my book "I Am Not a Wolf" wherever books are sold. Uh, New York Magazine called it one of their favorite comedy books of 2021. 
uh, which I'm very proud of. Uh, and so, yeah, that, that is available online, you know, indie bookshops, non-indie bookshops. It's, it's everywhere. Uh, and yeah, thank you all for the, the people that are listening. Um, you know, I know a, a lot of our regular listeners, I think are going to be very excited by this. Uh, Squeeze is somebody that gets discussed in our discord a lot and has for a long time. So yeah, so we will see you all soon. And that's our show for today. You can find both of the hosts on Twitter. Hobbs can be found at Hobbs Q and Alex can be found at Mel underscore Chronicler. Feel free to send us any questions, comments, thoughts, hopes, and dreams to GoblinLorePod on Twitter or email us at GoblinLorePodcast at gmail.com. If you would like to support your friendly neighborhood gobslugs, to our link tree on our Twitter account and list it in our show notes. This has everything from our discounts for the Grinding Coffee Company to our Patreon. The music for today's show was by Vindergotten, who can be found at Vindergotten at BadCamp.com. The art was done by Stephen Raphael, who can be found at Steve Raffle on Twitter. Goblin Lore is proud to be presented by Hipsters of the Coast as part of their growing Vorthos content. Check them out on Twitter at HipstersMTG or online at HipstersOfTheCoast.com. Thank you for listening. And remember, goblins, like snowflakes, are only dangerous in numbers. <laughs> <laughs>